Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Expect the best, plan for the worst, and prepare to be surprised. Dennis Waitley. There was the guy who actually had handcuffs in his car, which, you know, I, I don't ever hype or hitchhike by myself. And um, Kelsey, we would always like trade off who sat in the front seat, who sat in the back seat, who's gonna chit chat, who's gonna tell. We have this whole system planned out, but yeah. And it's like, he seemed like a super nice guy, but when we got in and he's got these handcuffs and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then he like missed our turn. I'm like, hmm, okay. But in those moments you start going through your fully, you know, your pre-planned, safety stuff and like for me it's like okay we missed our exit time to get out you know my pocket knife you gotta be ready you gotta know where the door handle is make sure your backpack is right here next to you so you can get out of tattoo but you know in the end it all worked out i'm doc and this is the john freaking mirror pod Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, Dirtbags and Hiker Trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. 
Well, I am very excited about this week's guest, who is a fascinating and multifaceted woman with whom I cannot wait to speak. Let me see if I can just list a few of the facets here. Elsie Walker is an alpine skier, a cyclist, an off-grid adventurer, a cancer survivor, and a triple crowner. Welcome to the John Freaking Mirror Pod, Elsie. How's it going? Hi. Uh, it's going good. It's going good. I'm, I'm excited uh, to have this chat with you today. Fantastic. And did I pronounce the name right? It is Elsie, right? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can appreciate that because... Uh, I also have a Y in my first name and it throws people for a loop. They don't know how to, they don't know how to pronounce it. And I'm sure I've got listeners here because we go, we go strictly by trail names on the pot. So I, I know I have listeners going, there's a Y in his first name. Who is this guy? What What is his first name? So I'm just going to leave that in suspense, but you know, it, it throws people when they see that Y and I can imagine you, you probably have been called Elise all your whole life. All the time. That's why I like a lot of People who know me do call me by my trail name, which is kind of like a nickname among my friends because it's easier for people to get than Elsie sometimes. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. You know, I, I've, uh, with my, my adult children now, I, I've become known as Doc. You know, they call me Doc instead of dad. And uh, I, I imagine that's going to be my name for, for my grandkids when they finally get here. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be cute. <laughs> so let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about your trail name because we go strictly by trail names here on the podcast. Uh, what is your trail name out there? Uh, my trail name is Chardonnay. Chardonnay, like the beverage. Yes. Uh-huh. One of my faves. <laughs> <laughs> and, and is there a particular story behind that? Or did your, your hiking family just know that you were a fan of the beverage? I actually had that name for a, a while. Um, when I used to um, long-distance bike ride um, on Ragbri, um, the Register's annual bike ride across Iowa, um, during that week of biking, people, you know, there's a lot of beer gardens and beer drinking, and I personally prefer to have wine, but you wouldn't find it anywhere. Um, so this was back in the day too, before, you know, cartons got popular. So I would ride around with a bottle of Chardonnay <laughs> on my bike. So it became Chardonnay and then, you know, things being tied together, I became a burner and there was burner name. So, Hey, Chardonnay. So when I got on a trail and people were like, what's the trail name? I'm like, Chardonnay. <laughs> so, and it's great. It's great. My um, resupplier when I was on a trail would always send me out a carton of Chardonnay and my tutu for the last hundred miles so I could celebrate at the end. So, mm-hmm. now, uh, there's so, so many things to unpack just from that little, that little reveal <laughs> right there. Number one, you're probably going to find more beer gardens than wine gardens. That, I'll, I'll stipulate that. And uh, especially if you're doing some kind of athletic event in Iowa, I, I don't see many wine gardens being in Iowa. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I, I think it, it, you know, beer garden, pretty safe staple. Wine garden, mm-hmm. not so much. Now you yeah. mentioned burner. What 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 does that refer to? Um, oh, Burning Man. Burning Man. Oh, got it. Got it. Yeah. Burning Man. I should know this because my mm-hmm. stepsister it has gone to. I think maybe 15 or 20 burning oh, wow. mats. So I, I, I should know that. Oh yeah. No, I, I've gone to five and I, I still kind of try to get out there, but I, I think I'm getting a little uh, burned out, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. It's uh that was a lovely experience and, and part of my, you know, moving into hiking also was from, from burning man. Mm-hmm. 
Now, is Burning Man, is that a bit like Vegas? Like what happens in at Burning Man stays in Burning Man? Exactly. Exactly. You got to go to know. It is a it is a, a full-blown community out there in the middle of nowhere. It is. I mean, it's an amazing experience. Um, I was glad that I went when I went um, before it really blew up. And But it's an amazing experience to meet some amazing people and make amazing connections and you can have some pretty amazing experiences. So I enjoy it. And I still try to get to a couple of regionals around, around the area. There's regional burning mans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's regionals all, uh, all over the country, all over the world, actually. Um, so yeah. So San Diego has a really awesome regional that I've gone to for a number of years and LA's and yeah. So it's fun. It's fun. You always get to meet some interesting people and, and see some interesting stuff. So. I've already learned things here in the first five minutes. I, I'm so excited about this episode. This is great. Now, what, what if you could summarize, what is the big takeaway from Burning Man? You go to Burning Man, you leave Burning Man. What What are you walking away with? Uh, um, a, a guy once told me when you go to Burning Man, it's like taking all your priorities in a, in a jar and you shake them all up, and then you throw them up into the sand. And all the sandstorms and all the things you go through at Burning Man, and by the end, all the priorities are drifting down, and you start picking them out one by one and reorganizing them in your life. And every time I've gone, I think my priorities have changed. The way I see things has changes. And, yeah, so every time you're there, you have this different experience and go out into the world and take all those experiences with you and you go out as a changed person every, every time you can't not go there and come out a little different. Fascinating. That, that's a, a very uh, eloquent way to put that. Nice. Nice. Now Chardonnay, have you had a chance to listen to the uh, podcast before? Yes. Yes. Uh, I caught a, I caught Jeff legend. Um, yeah. I, I enjoy him. I love his player. He's <laughs> We've never hiked. Oh, he's so good. And uh, we, we've never hiked together, but we were um, lifties together in Tahoe one season. So, yeah, so I, I've, caught, I've caught a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Legend has been on the po- podcast uh, quite a few times. In fact, he helped me co-host an episode with the four calendar year Triple Crowners just this past January. And so oh, yeah, was, yeah. That was a whole lot of fun. He is a character. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy him. We had, we had a good uh, ski season together. So, yeah. Nice. He's currently barnstorming. I call it barnstorming. He's barnstorming the U.S. with a couple of filmmakers who have put together a video on his a documentary, not a video, a documentary on his Colorado Trail FKT. Just an incredible film. So if you have a chance to see that, you know, do yourself a favor. I'll have to catch that. Yes. Okay. Well, I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment that we do towards the end of each episode called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. And that's where I will turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. Okay. Okay. All right. The must bring gear review. Chardonnay. Another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Six Moon Designs. Here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, or in your case, a multi-month hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Chardonnay, what do you have to have out there on the trail with you? 
Um, gosh, <laughs> um, I'm torn between two things, but um, I'm gonna go with my jet boil, um, because the first uh hike I did on the PCT, I went cold soak, <laughs> and that was yeah, that was different. <laughs> and I met a guy halfway through who had a jet boil who would like in the middle of the afternoons sit down and have cookies and a hot tea. And it was just like, Oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> I've got to get one of those. And I got one and yeah, game changer in everything in just even just car camping. I use that thing all the time. I even use it now because I'm off grid and it's the greatest way to like quick whip up some coffee in the morning. So yeah, definitely put my jet boil in there. Yeah. I guess if you are out there with a bunch of other cold soakers, Maybe maybe you you wouldn't realize what you're missing, but if you're in uh-huh. camp with somebody who's got a stove, man, it is it is tough to be a cold soaker. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. That was that was hardcore. <laughs> you know, I've I've had plenty of people on the podcast who swear by cold soaking. It's the way to go. You know, they 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 talk about all the reasons why everybody should be cold soaking. I gave it a legitimate shot. I tried. I tried mm-hmm. hard. I, I used special recipes. You know, I was, I was trying to be uh, out there on the trail with a couple of my buddies. I was the elitist saying, you know, I'm, I'm cold soaking and we get to camp and they'd fire up their stoves and I would have, I would have hot food envy. Yeah. See, I'm a snacker. So I like to snack anyway, all day long. So when I got to camp, I'd snack too. I wouldn't have to have like a hot meal, but wow. To be able to have like hot coffee in the morning. Yeah. 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 I hear from a lot of people that that is the, the uh, deal breaker for them on cold soaking. They need to have their hot coffee in the morning. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. That is a game changer on trail right there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. It's the hiking pole. Hey, Chardonnay, it's time for the hiking pole. And that's pole spelled P-O-L-L, like a survey, not like the thing you hold in your hand out there. Oh, yeah. All right. I like to point that out to every single guest because I think it's pretty clever. <laughs> it is. And, it I, and is. I get I get the same reaction from the guests. They they just look at me like, okay, right, okay, let's go. What are we doing? <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So what this is, this is a seven question survey that helps me assign you a sanity scale, a score of one to a hundred on the sanity scale, where one is completely insane and one hundred is completely sane. Now you have to know going into this, that anybody that has done a long trail, an American long trail, there's an automatic 25 point deduction. Fair. (laughs) I I think so. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. There's a little something, a little something wrong. (laughs) So your, your, your highest possible score Chardonnay is 75. Okay. All right. Now, if I were to ask your friends and family who maybe aren't hikers, how, how do you think they'd score you on that scale? They might score me more like 25. <laughs> they know all the crazy. So yeah, they would definitely be like, yeah, 20, 25, maybe some would be even 20. <laughs> so the people who know you best know know you're crazy. Oh, totally. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. You're able to put up a good front for strangers. Yes. <laughs> in, in the short term. Uh-huh. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So seven questions. They're all related to hiking. Uh, I've had a lot of argument and discussion on one side or the other. That's good. After you give me your answer, if you give a little kind of a justification, kind of gives me some insight into your way of thinking. Okay. 
All right. You ready? Shoot. Nervous? No. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Question number one. Start off easy. Trekking poles or no trekking poles out there? Both. <laughs> oh, already, yeah, already you're both being already you're being difficult. I see. Okay, both. <laughs> yeah, because like in the mornings when I start out hiking, I hate having things in my hands. You know, because like I want to maybe have a snack or have something to drink. I hate having things in my hands in the morning. But by late afternoon, when you're starting to get a little tired, I love it. So that's going to just kind of gets me going. So, yeah. So I guess technically, yes, trekking poles. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't want to go without them. So, yeah. You know, I've had people say no, no trekking poles. I've had people say yes, trekking poles. I've had people say, you know, just one pole. Not both poles, just one pole. You oh. are the first. You're the first Chardonnay to say both as your initial answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, great. <laughs> One of a kind. <laughs> Question number two, what's on your feet? Boots or trail runners? Oh, trail runners. Definitely. Yeah. Boots do not agree with my feet. And trail runners, they dry so easy, you know, and you're walking down a lot of water and stuff and yeah, when I first started hiking, I was one of those people who was like, oh, my God, don't get my shoes wet. And I take them off and all that stuff. And then I started realizing that's just silly. Just walk through the water. <laughs> Saves a lot of time so, and effort. Just just walk right through the water. <laughs> They'll dry yep. off. And now you start you said you started with boots. Did you did you feel that peer pressure of or just not maybe not peer pressure, but the sense that, OK, if I'm going to hike. People hike in boots. There's these things called hiking boots. If I'm going to hike, I must, I, I probably have to do it in boots, right? So you go out and buy boots. And yeah, and I had boots like way. back in the day when I used to like do like little hikes in, in Colorado. You know, I got the boots and everything. And, and, and that was okay for like little hikes. But yeah, when I first started on the, on the PCT, I had read all these blogs and everybody was wearing like Brooks. And so, you know, of course, I ran out and got me a pair. <laughs> and, uh, but then I didn't have a lot of money, so I couldn't spend like $120 on like six pairs of shoes. So I just like wore regular shoes like Sacconis or don't tell anybody, but I even wore a pair of New Balance. But it, yeah, it worked <laughs> kind of. <laughs> now, it, what is your what is your trail runner of preference these days? Uh, the Sacconis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, they are. They're a popular choice out there. Yeah, Not as popular like as, you know, there's a lot of people on the ultra bandwagon. There's a lot of people on the hokas, uh, but yeah. I, do, I do hear Saucony as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Question number three, when it comes to your shelter out there, you prefer a tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or hey, let's just do some cowboy camping. Tent. I have to have a tent. That's like my, you know. I like being in nature, but when I go to sleep, I need to have something in between me and nature, you know, it's like an invisible force field, you know? So when you hear twigs snapping outside, you're like, yeah, they can't see me. <laughs> nice. I thought you were going to refer to the insects, you know, being separate from the insects, but you, you know, if you hear the, that too. snap of the twig, you know, that, that thin layer of nylon is going to keep you safe. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you know, <laughs> you <makes me> feel better. <laughs> Now, what, what kind of tent do you prefer? Um, a freestanding tent. Um, you know, I tried the ones where everybody, you know, you know, the guy lines and all that stuff. But that's like, yeah, that was a little much for me. So, 
Yeah, definitely a freestanding that I could just pop up anywhere. And I like having a freestanding tent. I know people won't like it, but I used to put it up in the shelter on the AT. <laughs> Sorry, I a, but I, I, had a, I, had, I had a guest on a couple of episodes ago who talked about she didn't know any better. She she put the tent up in the in the shelter and, and she was she, she was so happy and excited and she was sharing pictures on social media and she just got tore up on on social <laughs> media. People just bashing her about you can't do that. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> whatever works whatever uh-huh. works now um quick quick break from the from the uh the the, the uh hiking pole timeout uh what was your base weight on your first triple crown trail and how how has that evolved to your most recent triple crown trail oh gosh um i think initially i started out around 14 15 because i was like like i got all my information from you know, um, some fast hikers like Carrot Quinn and walking with Wired and all those girls. And so they were all like light. So I was trying to be all super light, you know, and um, I'm probably one of the very few people who started out super light, cold soaking, know this, know that. Um, and over the years, by the time I hiked the CDT, I had so much stuff. <laughs> I was carrying so much. All of a sudden, I was like, I'll carry it all. I don't even care. <laughs> I want it. I'll carry it done okay mm-hmm. got it so your your pack actually got heavier mm-hmm. a lot of times mm-hmm. when, I, when i talk to triple crowners they, they show up with everything on the first trail right and then uh, by yeah. the time they're they're finishing their third they, they've got it dialed in and it's a lot lighter but you're you're kind of the opposite yeah because all of a sudden i was like i'll carry it i don't even care i want a pillow i want my jet boil i want the food i want all the stuff <laughs> No, I know I said timeout from the hiking pole. That that's going to factor into your score. I got to write that down here. Hang on. Okay, there we go. All right. Question number. What do we on four? When it comes to your sleep system, are, do you prefer a sleeping bag or do you use a quilt? Sleeping bag. I'm old really? school. Uh-huh. Old school. I want to get in. I want it be all the whole thing, <laughs> the whole bag. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, with the thin the thin layer of the tent, and then you being inside the sleeping bag, you, you're like uh-huh. it, it is. You're untouchable. Nothing uh-huh. could get to you. Right. Yep. <laughs> Got it. Do you prefer down or synthetic? Down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are there any, are there special tips or tricks for having a down sleeping bag in the off season? I mean, do you, how do you, how do you treat that or care for that in the off season? Well, um, like, I guess like a lot of people, you know, like you don't want to leave in a stuff sack and you kind of hang it up. Mine, I hang up, but it doesn't really stay hung up a lot because I'm always using it. It seems like I'm always tossing in the car. I love having it in my car, you know, just in case, you know, I, I do a lot of, you know, overnights in my car and things. So yeah, but yeah, mostly just, you know, once you wash that out, it's best to hang it up. So it stays fluffy and not compacted. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Question number five, I already know the answer, but you know, we have to officially ask it anyway, when it comes to food, stove, cold soak or stoveless. Oh, stove, stove. <laughs> so, got it. Got mm-hmm. it. We've already talked about that a little bit. So, all right. Question number six, is life better above or below the tree line? Above. I'm going to say above. I mean, I live in the desert. There are no trees. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I like being above the tree line where you can see, you can look back and see where you came from. Like I came from way over there. <laughs> you know, you feel like you're making some moves. When you're above tree line. Absolutely. Now you say you live in the desert. Where where are you calling in from? 
Um, currently, I'm in Michigan with my family, um, but I live in Joshua Tree. Oh, you're not that far away. You're just a yeah. couple hours, couple hours away from me. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. it. Nice. All right. Question number seven. Last question in the poll. What's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Well, that's a tough one. I'm gonna have to go with luxury items because if it's if it's a luxury that you really want, it doesn't matter how much it weighs. You can carry that thing. If you want it, yep. Yeah, you've made that clear. But, you, you're willing to carry the the extra weight. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm hmm. And, and what what um, are some of those luxury items that we might find in your bag? Oh, I, well, I guess I've pared down. Like I have, like I used to have a Kindle. You know, I used to have a Kindle and a camera and a phone. But now, luckily, those are all like in one thing. You know. I went from one of those egg crate looking sleep mats. I upgraded to like a Nemo blow up one. That was awesome. Totally worth the weight. <laughs> totally. Uh huh. Then, you know, my chip boil. And I'm one of those people too, like, I want to be not cold. So, like, my winter gear, like, a lot of people will like mill their winter gear out. I carry my winter gear all the trail, the whole trail, you know, because you never know. You never know when it's gonna snow. <laughs> so. That's right. Start mm -hmm. in April. Carry all your winter gear just for that. When 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 you run into a little bit of a breeze, get, get that stuff yeah. on. Got mm -hmm. it. Nice. All right. What what's on your Kindle these days? What are you reading? Oh gosh. Um, I just finished a a mystery. Now I can't think the author's name or not, but um, yeah, it was a great uh murder mysteries. That's what I'm into. You know, it's just like okay. a small town, and there's. I really love murder mysteries where it's like a girl detective. <laughs> you, so. you, you've got a type. You've got definitely got a type there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, okay. mm -hmm. All right. Well, Chardonnay, I've got to do some math here. I got to take your answers and run them through the John freaking your pod algorithm to come up with a score on the sanity scale. So bear with me just for a second here. I got to carry the two. Got to divide by root three. We have to multiply that by yeah. pi. And we're going to adjust adjust for a stiff breeze at the top of Mount Whitney. And I come up with a score of, this is a first. Again, another first. 50. You're right right oh. in the middle. Right smack dab in the middle. Wow. That's okay. I'll take that. <laughs> now, as the it. interview progresses, that score can change based on, <laughs> on, what, we, on what we cover and what you reveal. Yeah. But right now, it's a, it's a solid 50. Okay. <laughs> All That's right. a good jumping off point. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to know you better. Before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about your background, where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies you played as a kid, and how did you get involved in the through hiking cult? And I think, you know, if if people are just listening right now, you know, they, they heard me introduce you, but I think I neglected to say that that you are probably the first female African American. Uh, uh, no, 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 I refuse to take that anymore. <laughs> no. Okay. I refuse, I refuse because people, every, since this has happened, uh -huh. every article interview, people always say possibly, probably could be none of that is true. I am. Oh, that's it. There is okay. no question. I, I, I wasn't story. sure which part you were objecting to. So let me strike that from the record. She is the she is the first 
female African-American triple crowner. Congratulations, Chardonnay. That is so impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Hmm. <laughs> all right. Hey, now let's let's hear about where, where'd you grow up and how did you get involved in all this? Um, I'm originally from Flint, Michigan. Um, that's where I grew up. And then I um, went to Iowa State, um, lived there for way too long, like 20 years. <laughs> and um, then I, I kept moving west to Colorado and then eventually to California. Um, it's, it's weird. People say, well, how did you get in the outdoors? But um, for me, it's just like a thing. I mean, when I was little, which was different than it is now, we didn't have phones and, you know, instant movies and all that kind of stuff. So when I was little, as soon as the sun came up, we were outside like all day until the streetlights came on. There was no 30 minutes outside thing. You were just outside. <laughs> That's what we did. That's, you know, that was our life. And we played in the woods behind our house and built stuff and, you know, played in the creek and all those things. And, and my mom and my parents were very um, insistent that we get into everything. Um, there was a golf course behind our house. So it was like, you will go golf. You will go play tennis. <laughs> you know, you will go swim. You will go ski. <laughs> you know, we were going, she was going to have us doing something. You couldn't just hang out and watch TV. So for me, I've always been uh, in the outdoors. Um, I got into hiking because after I left Iowa, um, bike riding in California is not like Iowa. It's dangerous. <laughs> so I had to find something else to do. And I, everybody was talking about little hiking trails in San Diego because there's so many and it's so great. And I started hiking um, just little bits at a time. And when I went online to research more trails I could find to hike in San Diego, bing, up popped the PCT, you know. Um, and I thought, okay, well, it's right here. It's in my backyard. <laughs> Why don't I try that? And I found out about um, Carrot Quinn that year, um, read her blogs, and there was like a whole gaggle of hikers that hiked, I think it was 2014, but they were like a group of hikers that hiked together and they all blogged. So it was like, to me, it was the most awesome reading of the summer. I'd read at work, but you got the perspective from all these different hikers who were all in the same area. And just getting it from different points of view, it was so neat. And that's kind of, kind of one of the things I think about the trail. It's like, we're all on the trail, but our journeys are different. And just reading all their stuff, I was like, wow, you know, I could go out there and have, you know, my own little story. And uh, so then I did. <laughs> now, <laughs> I had no idea what she, I was getting myself into. <laughs> had she finished her book or published her book, uh, Through Hiking Will Break Your Heart, by then? Um. I, it came out when I think right when I was on trail because I read it on trail um, and I would make sure like I didn't get ahead of myself, you know, <laughs> like at night in my book, I'd read, okay, next day. Oh, that's what they did. And it's like, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. It was it, her, her. She's a great writer. Great, great yeah. writer. So you couldn't read past the Kennedy Meadows section until you were past Kennedy Meadows. Exactly. Uh -huh. That's awesome. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Okay. Now, um, any siblings? Oh, yes. Um, 
four sisters and two brothers. Um, yeah. And of so. course, they're all through hikers as well. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Their idea of camping is like a maybe a super eight. But um, yeah, no, my, my family's not big uh, campers. They're outdoorsy in other ways. Like my mom is big into plants and flowers and roses and all that kind of stuff. But camping is not a family thing. See, I think that's fascinating. I think I think it's amazing that kids are they grow up in the same household, same environment, same parents, and and yet one of them becomes a through hiker, and the rest of them think that yeah, you're out there. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not. No way. That is, just, <laughs> that is just so amusing to me. Yeah, I mean, I, it was fun too because I like I met quite a few people on trail from time to time. Like one girl that was hiking with her mother. And I thought, wow, that, I don't know. I think that's such an amazing thing to be able to share, you know? Um, yeah, but yeah, they they are my biggest fans. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Nice. It's nice to have supportive family. Yeah. When you heard about the PCT, did, did that just blow your mind that there's actually a walking trail from Mexico to Canada? Yeah, because like I had not heard of it before. I had not heard of any of the trails and... So yeah, it was, it was kind of like, um, it was just that exciting thing to go find out about. Cause I'm one of those people who's kind of like, if I hear about something, I'm like, why can't I do that? You know? So I was like, why not? And I mean, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> you know, start, you finish and you know, if you don't make it, you, you're done, but you should at least try. So I was like, I'm tr I'll try it. You know? And how long before hearing about it? until doing it what was that what was that time period like a year wow mm -hmm. wow i've heard i've heard varied answers on that i've had some people that it's it is sat in their brain for 15 20 years before they acted yeah. on it and others who have done it you know almost immediately uh-huh yeah once i got the idea you know it was one of those ones where you get in your head and you're like oh yeah well that would be something i could do and then uh, when I went to Burning Man that year before I, I left um, for the hike, I think the theme that year was something to do with dreaming. And my friend asked me, she said, you know, Chardonnay, what's your dream? And I said, to be a through hiker. And it was like one of those moments, you know, where you say something and it's like, it comes out of your mouth, but you're like, did I say that? <laughs> and all of a sudden it was like, all of a sudden it was like out there in the universe. And then it was just like, once everybody knew, it was like, okay, then this is totally happening. <laughs> yeah. Once you publish that answer, once, once others are aware of it, it adds a, another dimension to the whole thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So. Now you mentioned that uh, you're living off the grid. Tell us about that. Oh um, yeah. I've been living off the grid for a little over a year now. Um, I, uh, again, I, always just I don't plan things like people will be what's your next adventure it's like I don't really plan things they just kind of happen and so did living off grid I, I had planned on <laughs> going to Joshua Tree and finding an apartment or something or renting a house but when I got there you know like everybody was doing that most of the houses have turned into Airbnbs and just financially when I sat down and crunched the numbers the amount that I would pay in rent equaled 
about the amount I could pay to buy a property. So I started driving around and I found one <laughs> and I just got it. And I had no idea what I was going to do or how I was going to, I even actually at one point thought I'll just live in my car on my property until I figure it out. <laughs> but um, it turned out a lady um, online was selling a shipping container and I got it and put it out there. And um, I've just been figuring it out. Um, thank God for YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. Yeah. So I've learned about solar and a composting toilet. I bring in my own water. And so, yeah, I have a little wood stove that I love. Um, and I learned about framing and insulation. And yeah, it's a lot. But I'm also very lucky that like I went to Burning Man and I met all these amazing people who um, are very smart, very talented, and they know a lot about surviving in the desert. And a lot of those people have helped me along the way to figure things out. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's way out in the desert. It's really dark out there. So you can see the stars and I just, I just like it. It's so quiet and it's like my little spot. <laughs> now, how big is your, your patch of land? Uh, I have two and a half acres. Two and a half I acres. I feel like I have a lot more because like the block that I live on, there's like six properties on there all broken up in like two and a half, you know, plots. But there's nobody else on the block but me. <laughs> so for now, I have it all. <laughs> so how how far away is your your next living neighbor? Uh, gosh, about as a crow flies, about half a mile. Yeah, I could see him over there. But yeah, that's it. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, but uh, it's pretty quiet and it's pretty dark. The night mm -hmm. sky must be amazing. Oh my gosh, it's great. I can sit off my back porch and, and watch the Big Dipper race. It's so great. It's so great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so it's what, great because I get to be in nature like all the time because I just throw open the doors in the summer on both ends of the shipping container. And it's great. It's great. Mm -hmm. What do the temperatures get to in the summer out there? Yeah, that's container? a little crazy. <laughs> 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 this might dip my squirrel a little. It's like, <laughs> I think... Last summer was my first summer there, and it got up to like 104 one day. So, yeah, I have a little tiny swamp cooler <laughs> that I sit in front of. And, and you know, it's it's nice. It's just uh, it's a reminder of when we were little. We used to do summers in Mississippi and visiting family. And, you know, my aunt used to say, you know, he'd be like, oh, it's so hot. And she'd say, well, then sit down. <laughs> so just sit down, have you a cool drink. It'd be fine. And in the winter, you get some snow there? Oh, my gosh. When I left, they got snow right in town. You don't get snow like where I am because I'm in some weird Mesa pocket thing. I don't get a lot of rain. You can see it, like, downpouring in town from my place. And, like, we get, like, a sprinkle. It's it's a weird weather bubble I'm in there. But, yeah, but they got snow in town, and that was really cool to see. So, yeah. Okay. And what do you do to pay the bills? How do you finance your adventures? Oh, boy. Um, well, um, I when I graduated from high school, I went into the military, into the Army Reserves, and I was trained as an administrative specialist um, and graphic specialist. And um, really, that's what I've done my entire life. I, I got two degrees in city planning and, and don't use them. But I enjoy being a secretary. 
because one, I for a long time, I bounced all over the place, moved everywhere. And everywhere you go, somebody needs a secretary. And when I was hiking the trails, I found a really good temp agency. They were amazing group of women who had coincidentally read wild. <laughs> so when I told them I was hiking the trail, they got all super excited. <laughs> so they were like my job crew, you know, so I would go out and hike. When I came back, I'd call them up and go, I'm back. And like two weeks later, they'd have me a position. And, you know, so I've done everything and worked in a lot of different medical to garage door stores to, you know, everything, everything. Kind of like a girl Friday. Nice. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and hear from the advertisers. And when we come back, we're going to get into some of the uh, the details of your Triple Crown hikes and some of the other things that you've been up to. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Through hiker owned Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. 
And welcome back. We are talking to Elise. Oh, there I did it. I did it. <laughs> we are talking to Elsie. <laughs> Elsie Walker, a.k.a. Chardonnay, the first African-American female to hike the Triple Crown. And we heard about her background. Um, we heard about her living off grid. And now we're going to talk about her Triple Crown hikes. Now, you start off with a PCT. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us the logistics. When did you start? When did you finish? About how long did it take you? Um, I started around, I get my dates mixed up because I did all my trails. I started April like 11th, 12th, or 13th. So it was one of those three. Okay. Um, For some reason, that's like a magical date for me. That's also when I defended my thesis. So right in there is when I always do stuff. But um, Dr. Chardonnay. uh, Oh, no, just my master. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Not that crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, um, ended up hiking it in four and a half months, um, which turns out is fast. Um, I didn't think I was going very fast, but I also, um, like somewhere around Etna, I, I met this guy from Turkey, um, goat, and I started hiking with him and yeah, it was a different way to hike for sure. Cause he liked get up early in the morning. We hiked all day, super fast. So we hiked across Oregon super fast. And I was also under that impression that a lot of people already like, you know, that little PCT planner that you can put all your dates into and it can tell you when you're going to get to the end. I had did that and planned it out to a T because at the end of it, I was going to meet friends in Washington and they were going to drive back and go to the burn. So I had to be in Washington by the state. So I remember just like going, oh, my God, I have to go. I have to go. And like at the beginning, I was just so fired up to stay on schedule. And I remember this older guy telling me, you know, you got to let that go. (laughs) Just let it go. Hike the hike. And eventually I did and ended up getting to the end like two weeks early. So, you know, you just kind of let it happen. But mm mm-hmm. Yeah, there seems to be a, a bit of a dichotomy there, right? There are people who undertake this who are are big planners. They want to organize everything. They want they want all the details kind of mapped out so they know what to expect. And <laughs> they get out there and they they realize that they can't account for everything. Yeah, it's kind of the thread, one of those threads between the things that I do, um, between Burning Man and Ragbri and trail hiking you always have this plan in your mind, like how it's going to go. And you take all your little outfits and you get all everything all right. And and then you get out there and that all goes out the window. All of a sudden you're just going with the flow. And if you don't go with the flow, it's going to be hard, but eventually you learn just, just go with it. Mm -hmm. Now, did you go down to Campo by yourself or did you, did did you convince a, a crazy friend to go with you? Yeah. I had a crazy friend take me and drop me off. <laughs> and it was kind of funny because um, he was the one that was like, when I said I want to do it, it's like, you need to take a wilderness basic class and all this stuff. So yeah, he, he dropped me off and it was really funny because he dropped me off. We took all the pictures at the monument and um, I'm like waving and I'm kind of like teary eyed as he drives away. And then I turn around and I look and I realize I don't even know where the trail was. <laughs> Like, where do we go from the monument? And I'm like, I can't, I haven't even left the monument and I'm already lost. <laughs> but yeah, luckily I I stumbled upon it. 
Now that that seems pretty daunting to me. I mean, this is your your first big trail. This is 2600 miles, 2650 miles, right? And you get somebody to drop you off there and you're by yourself. You know, what what advice do you have for other people who are listening to this who may be considering doing something like this but they're just it, it that is too big of a step for them. What 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 do you have to say to them? Live a little. You have to take the jump. Um, it might work out. It might not. But you have to take the jump. Um, and and the good thing about the PCT is like when you go out as a solo hiker, you're going to run into people, you know. And um, I was very lucky to end up in a bubble of some of the most amazing people that I hiked with that I, you know, you had that bubble and you see them off and on every couple of whatever miles or whatever. Um, so a lot of people are like, I'm hiking and does anybody want to hike with me? Just go, you know, and if you just go by yourself, I, I, for me, I like just going by myself because I get to make all the decisions. There's no group decisions or whatever. And I have to rely on me. I have to rely on me. And that to me was one of the biggest things that I learned out there that in the end, I have to carry my own baggage or my own backpack. And along the way, just like your journey in life, you'll be carrying all your baggage and you'll meet people who along the way who will talk to you, help you, share with you. you. They might not be with you every step of the way, but they'll come and they'll go. And that's life. They come and they go. But in the end, it's you. It's, it's all you. Now, was there any additional pressure on you? that you felt because, you know, being a, a BIPOC woman out there, not seeing a lot of other people that look like you out there? Not for me. I mean, um, I've kind of been in that situation my entire life. Um, I know like diversity and inclusion and all that stuff is trendy right now, but um, we didn't really have a, a word or all these little terms and things for it when I was growing up. And so, you know, when I started skiing in the fourth grade, you know, the only two black kids out there were me and my little sister. And my mom always had pictures of us and it'd be us and a bunch of white kids. Um, and she'd say, oh, there's my chocolate chip and a sea of vanilla. You are the special one, <laughs> you know. To me, I always thought that was awesome because you are the special one. You don't look like everybody else. You know, and everybody kind of knows you because you're the easy one to pick out. So, um so, I mean, I've always been in those positions. I mean, first African-American to hike, but um, I think I'm also probably the only and first uh, ice hockey cheerleader, too. You know, I just do things, and it turns out there's a lot of white people doing it, but I don't care what people look like who are doing it. If I think, well, that looks interesting, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> you know, I, I understand um representation um i haven't come to terms with the the term the when people say you know you need to see someone who looks like you i don't think that's necessarily true i think you just have to believe in yourself and when you see somebody else doing something and if they don't look like you believe that you can too and that's always what i believed i i could at least try you know and that's what i believe 
So I think that's what we have to like also enforce in our kids is that you can do anything. You believe that doesn't matter what everybody else looks like. Go do it. Yeah. I think, I think that imposter syndrome is a, is a reality for everybody. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you're out there on your first long trail and you're thinking to yourself, I know I would be, I'd be thinking, you know, all these people have more experience than I do. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm new. I'm not sure I belong out here. And it's, it's just kind of fake it until you make it. Yeah. And you're also kind of like kidding yourself. If you think everybody out there knows everything. That's right. Um, You know, one of my first times I put in my tent on the PCT, it was like these other campers were like in this little grassy area. And I was like, is it okay if I camp here too? And they're like, sure. So I was kind of nervous about putting that tent up the first time because I had the guy lines and everything. And I'm like, please don't make me look like an idiot. And so I did it as quickly as I could. And then I threw my bag inside and I crawled inside. And I didn't come back out. I didn't talk to anybody. And the next morning as I'm packing up, they're like, oh, there you are. They're like, And I start talking to them and I'm telling them, you know, this is my first time on the trail. They're like, this is your first time? Oh, we thought you did this before. <laughs> you put up a good front. No, <laughs> no. yeah, just yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. All right. Get out there and do it, man. Yep. So, do you ever find yourself, especially on this first trail, the PCT? Um, th- there's a lot of different personalities to that trail. You know, you start off in the desert, you go through the mountains, and you, you finish in the snow. Did you ever find yourself in a situation where you were just like, what am I doing out here? I think I've made a mistake. Oh, yeah. I think probably a couple times. <laughs> um, probably the the biggest time for me was um, when I was like just south of Sonora Pass. We were having to cross this stream. And I'm not really good with crossing streams. I'm just not. And um this one was kind of high. And as the guys ahead of us went across, it was like coming up to their waist. And I thought the longer I watched people, I get more nervous I got. So when I went into the water and it came up to my waist, I kind of panicked. And so I came out. But I had seen a couple go upstream. So I'm like, I'm gonna go quick, find them and go where they went. And they were going across on this log. And I went across on the log and I was trying to hurry and I stepped up there and I fell off the log. And I remember falling and hearing something snap. <laughs> and I was in so much pain. My ankles in so much pain. And thank God for hikers. This is the other thing. Hikers, man, they look out for each other. Thank God. Um, the guy had already went across and his girlfriend already went across. He came all the way back, got my pack to across. He came back, helped me get across. And um, then I limped into camp. And um, I thought my ankle was just sprained at the time. So we duct taped it and all this kind of stuff. And I had this big plan of, I was like 30 miles in any direction from a town. So I was like, I just told everybody to go on and I would limp out 10 miles, three days. I can make it. (laughs) And uh, I ended up eventually making it. Um, but, uh, at one point I made some really bad choices where I thought I could take a shortcut and with a a bad ankle, I took a shortcut and realized like the reason the trail doesn't go this way is because there's a giant cliff you have to go off, you know? And it was just like, I couldn't believe it. I stand out there, post holding in the snow, 
my ankle's hurting, and I have no where I no idea where I am. And then it dawns on me, nobody else knows where I am because I'm not even on trail anymore. And I was like, what was I thinking? I'm like, I, I couldn't even figure out. I was like, just dumbfounded. And when I got to the road, I remember just standing there and thinking, thank God's road. I made it. I'm just bawling. And it was like, yeah, some that was one of my, you know, questionable decisions that I, I made out there. But um, turns out my ankle was actually fractured. I didn't go to the doctor because <laughs> I thought they might tell me I couldn't hike. So I like took a couple of days off and then I kept hiking. I kept hiking and I lived on that fractured ankle to the end. Elsie, hang on a second. You're telling me you did four and a, you did the PCT in four and a half months on a broken ankle for part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, in my head, I convinced myself it was just a sprain. <laughs> I didn't know I'd actually broken it until I got back home and I went to see the doctor and they like showed me my x-ray and it's like, it's totally broken. You could see it poking out of my leg like that now because they were like, you know, we could, we break it and set it and it'd be fine. I'm like, is it going to be better? And they're like, well, we can't say that. So I'm like, okay, then just leave it. <laughs> just leave it. And so, yes, I hiked the other two trails on that thing too. So, Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, <laughs> I don't want to see the doctor because I'm afraid of what uh, he or she's going to tell me. Yeah. I just knew it. I was like, they're going to, it'll be all over. And I was like, I am not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so that, that was a, a, those are both low moments, right? The, the falling on the, on the log and then also the, the broken ankle. How about a high moment? What, what really, what, what stands out to you when people ask you about your favorite memory on the PCT? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Um, Cause the PCT is so, like you were saying, it's so different. You have those magical moments in each section where you're like, wow, I, I did that. You know, um, I think probably going over Forester's Pass is like that for me Um, because that was kind of like my first you are on the PCT moment because, you know, we went up there and when you're on the switchbacks in the front, it's like sunshine and we're like stopping, having lunch, having a good time, you know, and then you get up there at the top. And in my head, I thought it was like the other passes where you had like a little saddle you just walk through. No, <laughs> no, Forest Rose was not like that. <laughs> you have that little cornice you have to go across, and then you have to go over the little peak. And when we went over the peak, you could see the sky was just like dark on the other side. So when you go over, it's like snowing sideways when we got over there. And it was like me and uh, this guy, Toasted Toe, that I was hiking with. And he's like super tall, with long legs. So when we cross over that, and we're going to the snowy part now, he's just like moving and I'm like oh my god please don't let me lose him (laughs) and he step up here on this mountain but we we took that out post holding the whole way and we got down to the bottom and found everybody else that had gotten ahead of us and it was an awesome feeling you know to be able to look back holy crap I did that you know it was like being in a in a James Bond movie but there's no nets there's no safety nets but yeah, that was definitely a high moment because I was like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. Forrester Pass, 13,200 feet in the Sierras. Wow. And I'm, I'm, I'm just happy to hear that somebody else has had the same experience that I've had. 
where it's nice and, and sunshiny yeah. and all of a sudden the weather turns and you're up, you're up the Creek. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll put the fear of God in you right there. It's like, Oh my God. <laughs> it sure will. Take us, take us through that moment. My last question on the PCT uh, before we move on to the other trails, take us through that moment where you are approaching the Canadian border. Uh, what's going through your mind on that last day towards the Northern terminus? Oh, um, (laughs) a lot of things like, um, it was weird for me because like I was not allowed to go in Canada, Canada. (laughs) So, you know, so yeah, Canadians, whatever. So I knew I had to hike up to the monument, take all my pictures, come back and hike back to Hearts Pass. So for me, um, when I got there with my friend, we took our pictures and then he hiked on in and I turned around to hike back. And it was so, to me, the monument was great. You know, it was great. I was done. I did it. I was elated and all that stuff. But the coolest part about hiking back was as I was hiking back, there are all these people hiking to the monument. So it was kind of like, this is your trail life because you're like, we're like, Hey, <laughs> you know, so that to me, that was so awesome. Just like the whole way back to hearts pass. And I was like, I remember thinking, I, I want to go to Canada like everybody else. But that was so much cooler to be able to see all those people, you know, one last time, you know? So that, yeah, that was, that was an amazing, amazing time. Nice. And knowing what they were going to get to experience, you just experienced yeah. it and knowing what they had yeah. in front of them. Yeah. How cool, how cool was that? Yeah, so we're all cheering for each other, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. It, it kind of reminds me of I've done a, I've done a few marathons, and I'm not the fastest guy, but uh, you know, you you see the finishers would have the medals around their neck, and they come back on the course, you know, not not on yeah. the course, but, you know, on the side of the course, and cheer cheer the runners on. I'm like, why are they doing that? I would, you know, I'd be just collapsed on the other side, and and you know. Mm-hmm. But hearing you describe your journey coming back, I, it all makes sense to me now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. It's like, yeah, it's it's heartwarming. It's fun. And, and also I had run out of food. So people gave me food. So that was cool too. <laughs> nice. Now your next Triple Crown Trail was the AT in 2016, the very next year. Mm-hmm. AT and PCT, two two very different experiences. Yeah, and I did not realize that. Um, if I had, I probably wouldn't have did the AD because, you know, at the end of the PCD, I was like, I'm done. My feet hurt. I'm never hiking again. You know, and then you, two months later, you know, you start going, well, and it's like a bunch of people that I hiked with on the PCT were like, we're like the AT. And in my head, I thought, oh my God, I had this great time on the PCT. Why don't I go to the AT? It'll be just like the same thing. It is not the same thing. <laughs> it, yeah, whole other ball game. Mm-hmm. I now, have I'm a love hate relationship there. I'm intrigued because I'm, I'm listening to you say that. I can understand what you're saying, but then I also see in our show notes here that you you did the AT twice, and so well, you have this love hate relationship. But you've done it twice. No, not, not really, not twice. Actually, like the first time I did it, I, I hiked and I got all the way to Massachusetts. Oh. And yeah, it, the AT didn't click for me the way the PCT did. 
I didn't find my crew. I didn't find that pace that I wanted. I was still having problems with my ankle. So when I got to Massachusetts, I, I didn't care what was around the next corner or over the next mountain. I had no motivation. And I, I called my friend and he's like, well, did you eat last night? I'm like, yeah. He goes, did you sleep? Yeah. And you still want to come home? I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, great. Well, come on home. And I, I realized, yeah, I it didn't make sense for me just to push myself so that I quit. And then I went into the CTT, um, the CDT and then I came back and finished the AT. Got it. Mm -hmm. Got it. Now the, the CDT, you, I mean, the PCT and the AT are very different from each other. The CDT mm -hmm. is an animal all to uh, unto itself. Yeah. Yeah. Embrace the brutality. That, that trail to me though, was like, sometimes it's hard. Like people are like, what's your favorite? I will always love the PCT because it was like my first, um, but the CDT was like sick. I mean, that was just like crazy. I was actually a little scared going on that one um but it's so amazing because i at the time when i hiked it like it wasn't even complete uh and so there were sections you know it's like choose your own adventure out there and so and your souls there's like days when you're like totally away from towns and people and everything and to me that's just like that's what excites me all of a sudden you are on your own and i'm one of those people like i don't carry like a garment or any of those kind of things I depend on myself and I don't want that Garmin to be my crutch that, Oh, I can make this risky decision because I could just call for help. No, I make my you know decisions based on what I can get myself out of. And um, yeah, there was a lot of times though on the CTT where it was like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> but yeah, Elsie, I love that. That is, that is fascinating to hear, to hear that, you know, that, there was some fear involved here. And the fact also that you didn't carry a Garmin because you didn't want it, it. It's almost like a, as you describe it, it's almost like, you know, it's too easy to push that button, right? I want to, mm -hmm. I want to use my head. I want to rely on myself. I want to make decisions knowing that I can't, I can't just push a button and get out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you make some better choices. that way. <laughs> At least I do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, you you mentioned a couple times you thought you might die. What uh, what what happened there? Um, like a uh, Colorado happened. <laughs> um, we got into Colorado, and I remember like again we had this idea of what it was going to be like, and so we're like, oh, it's like you know eighty miles, um, and we'll take four days of food, and it'll be fine. And we started hiking into Colorado, and everything was great until. We get to a section like the second day in and it starts snowing. I don't have snowshoes. So we're post holing. We're trying to get through this and it's just snowing sideways. And I remember we saw these four guys because I was with um, Kelsey, who I hiked with multiple times on different trails. And we're like trying to keep up with these guys, but we can't. And when it's snowing sideways out there like that, it's like you, can't, you don't have time to like look at your phone and try to figure out where you are. And I just got so scared at one point. I just told her, we have to stop. You know, we, we can't even see the trail. We can't see the trail. We can't see our phones. We can't keep stopping and think we're going to actually make it all the way, you know, at all. And we put our tents down right there. And I was like, we're just going to stay here. 
The next day, I was like, I don't want to die. <laughs> so we're going back. And we went back and took the bus to Wyoming. <laughs> and did Wyoming. And then we came back when it was nice and a little less snow in Colorado. Because like, I, I like to hike the trail and have fun, but I don't want to die. Yeah. And I've heard from other hikers that some of the, the hardest decisions they've made have been when they, they realize they can no longer keep going forward and they have to go backwards and, yeah. maybe, and maybe do, you know, flip-flop and it's, yeah. it's, it goes against, you know, everything that you're, you've been training for. I mean, you're, you're going yeah. from, from South to North and, and you're uh-huh. going to do it in one fell swoop. And sometimes uh, for your own safety, it's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, 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 it totally changed the hike because it was like crazy having to like take a bus and hitchhike and all the things to get back and forth. But, you know, it also added to the experience because, you know, hitchhiking, <laughs> it's, it's always like a, a tricky, fun, scary thing. So, mm-hmm. Any any really sketchy hitches you've had? Oh, gosh. <laughs> a couple. I mean... There was the guy who actually had handcuffs in his car, which, you know, I I don't ever hike or hitchhike by myself. And um, Kelsey, we would always like trade off who sat in the front seat, who sat in the back seat, who's going to chit chat, who's going to tell. We have this whole system planned out. But yeah, and it's like he seemed like a super nice guy, but when we got in and he's got these handcuffs, and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) And then he like missed our turn. I'm like, Hmm. Okay. But in those moments you start going through your pre, you know, your pre-planned safety stuff. And like, for me, it's like, okay, we missed our exit time to get out, you know, my pocket knife. You gotta be ready. You gotta know where the door handle is. Make sure your backpack is right here next to you. So you can get out of tattoo. But you know, in the end, it all worked out. It all worked out. I think if you have your safety plan in place, it'll all work out. And then you just meet those other people that make you want to hitchhike, you know, who like pick you up, take you to their house. You know, I met a couple um, when we were in Wyoming. Oh, and it was a day. Um, we came out of the out of the woods. We're all dirty. We haven't had signal on our phones. So when you hit the trailhead, you know, all of a sudden your phone's blown up. And I'm like getting all these messages. I'm like, what is going on? And I found out that a friend of mine had died. It was just like, and it was just like, I didn't even know what to do. I was just like, ah. and this couple was like, you girls need a ride into town. We're like, yeah. So we go into town and my head's all foggy and I'm just like trying to, you know, get my bearings. And we were like, if you could just drop us off at the corner, we're going to hitch the rest of the way. And the guy's like, oh, great. We hitched for two hours and couldn't get a hitch. But guess who comes driving back up? that couple and they're like get in the car come to our house you know they she fixed the sandwiches we did laundry had showers we put our tents up in the, and it was like so amazing because my head was so fogged with what had happened to have someone take you in like that and you not have to also think about all that stuff and so when people like that provide hitches for you you know, it's like, there are some really great people out there, you know, and I think I have more amazing stories like that than I have scary stories. So that's, 
Yeah. Let's get I, that. I, I think, I think the, the good of trail culture far outweighs the, the scary moments. Scary moments are fun to talk about and fun to listen to, yeah. but the overwhelmingly you're absolutely right. The, the, you know, trail culture is so, so positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you meet some amazing characters out there. I mean, on trail and off and people who will go out of their way for you, you know, just to make your hike special. And that's, amazing i think that's why for me hiking the trails changed my view of america in a lot of ways um you see so much on the news um and people tell you different things about this place and that place but i think you got to go see it yourself you know go see it yourself i remember somebody warned me about idaho you know be careful in idaho there's white supremacist there or whatever I had the best freaking time in Idaho. <laughs> you know, I I've been there when I was with um all the West. We held a ruck there. Those people are great and they are super nice and super helpful. People in Sim and Idaho were giving us food when we walked through town. I had the best time there. But if I had went based on, you know, what I was told, I would have this other view of what what it was like. So I, I really recommend people getting out there and go see for yourself. You know, almost sounds like a pro tip. That, that can't be your pro tip, though. They're, they're still coming, so don't. You're still okay. on the hook. You're still on the hook. Now, <laughs> Elsie, what what did you learn about yourself through this experience? Oh wow! Um, I think what I really learned about myself, I like. Um, I don't want to call it the regular me, but the natural me, I guess. I mean, it was amazing, like, I grew up, I did pageants, you know, and, you know, I was raised a particular type of way, to act a certain type of way, and out there, it's like bare bones, you know? There's no makeup, you know, you're wearing the same clothes for five months, (laughs) you know, and it's like... (laughs) you kind of strip yourself down to who you actually are without the clothes, the the car or the, this or the, that you just are you. And I liked that person. I mean, I, I, I really fell in love with that me. And I think that's why I love like being off grid because it reminds me of that, you know, having to get my own water, having to chop my own wood, being outdoors all day it's like that's who I am and that's where I'm most comfortable and I'm glad that I I learned that out there that is that is poetic I I love listening to that explanation uh the natural me and then getting down to the natural you and realizing you like that person I think I think a lot of problems occur for people when they realize that they don't like who they've become. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of acting out because of that. And I think, I think the way you just explained that, that really, that really kind of puts it in frame for me. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's an, it's an amazing experience to find out who you really are and what you can actually put up with, what you're willing to put up with, what you're willing to push through, you know, it's, it's life changing, <laughs> corny, but true. 
Now, speaking of life-changing, do you mind if we talk about your, your cancer diagnosis? Oh, yeah, sure. Yes. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. What, uh, when did you receive that diagnosis and, and how did that shift things for you? Um, let me see, get my timeline. Straight. Um, I think it was the end of 2020. Yeah. Um, I had actually, um, moved back to Tahoe cause I had been working in Tahoe as a lift operator and, uh, I was all super fired up for the season in November when I got back. Um, and uh, I was feeling really not great, kind of tired, just couldn't even walk across the room. And I thought, you know, it was 2020, everybody had COVID and all this kind of stuff. So I thought, oh, my God, I have COVID. So um, I went to one of the COVID testing sites that was at the hospital. And I got there. I drove myself there like a crazy person. And then when I got out of the car, I went to shut the door and I just kind of passed out conveniently in the hospital parking lot. So, you know, they picked well, Elsie, me up. Elsie, we'll- if you're going to pass out anywhere, I, I guess that I is the place to pass out. Boom. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they just wheeled me in. They thought I had COVID, but after a bunch of tests, like, nope, no COVID. And it turns out I had, um, it's called GIST, um, gastrointestinal stromal, um, and I tumor and my tumor um, was like right where kind of where my esophagus meets my stomach. So they had to go in to take that out. <laughs> I immediately went home to Michigan, my safe place. And uh, I went immediately into surgery and they took it out um, along with half my stomach. Um, so I'm still I'm better. I'm much better. Um, I'm recovering and my scans have come back good. Um, I think at this point, it's more of a mental thing for me um, because like, you know, hiking, you, you're on trail, you eat all the stuff, right? Eat as much stuff as you possibly can. And all of a sudden my world has flipped and I can't eat all those things. You know, I can, sometimes I take two bites of stuff and I'm full, you know, um, don't ever see me doing a long hike because of that, because I don't think that I am able to keep up with the calories um, that you would need for that. Um, just cause I can't take that amount of food in. Um, so yeah, so things changed a little bit for me, um, but, uh, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm getting through it. It's another one of those things you, you know, you got to, move through it just like you're hiking toughed out and, and i'm doing better so embrace the suck yep yep thus is life yeah. <laughs> just when you think it's all good it's gonna throw you a curve just like the trail <laughs> and so i know that um post-trail depression is a real thing and that's that's for people who have finished a hike and but they know that they have another big hike in front of them if they if they so choose right they can get back out uh-huh. there what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, because of your, your diagnosis and your treatment that you're not sure that you'd be able to do that anymore. Yeah. And, and that, so how, how do you, how are you, how do you deal with that? What, what do you, what do you do to, do you have to find something else to, to, to fill that void or how does that work? Well, lucky for me, they're skiing. 
So, and um, yeah, I was I was really nervous when I first got back out on the on the mountain, but uh, turns out I can do that. You know, um, I can ski. You know, and it's great skiing because you can ski really hard and then go on the lodge. You know, you have that. So, and I have gotten out the last two seasons and had amazing experiences um, with some um, women bicop, um, BIPOC um, clubs and, and experiences. And it's been great. I mean, I just came back from Tahoe and skied with um, Edge um, out of uh, Washington. Um, and we are all trying to decide if we want to be ski instructors and and we had some great instructors who taught us a whole lot. I mean, it's funny because you always think when you're skiing, you think you look like, you know, Michaela, but you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They videotaped us and I was like, oh my God, I look like that. <laughs> but they, they, they gave me a lot of tips to kind of straighten out and stuff. So I, yeah. So skiing has really been my, you know, back in the outdoors thing. I'm also participating with the uh, women over 50, 52 hike challenge. And um, so kind of like a hike every week for the, for the year. And there's some amazing women on there. And it's great for me because it kind of makes me want to go out and do hikes. And it's, it's a lot about, you don't have to hike 20 miles, you know, just get out there, hike a mile, two, three, whatever, and build up. And it's great because I get to talk to women who it's their first time getting into hiking and letting them know, you know, hey, look, I hiked like 8,000 miles, but here I am trying to crank out this two and three, you know, two, you know, we're, we're all there at some point. We're all there. And sometimes you end up back where you started and, and that's okay too. So you have to just find your, your, your level that makes you happy and most comfortable. And that's, that's what I'm doing. So I, I still get in hikes, but they're just shorter. Nice. And with the skiing, you know what they have at the lodge waiting for you? Oh, I know. A, a nice glass of Chardonnay. A bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, pre-ski. <laughs> <laughs> Chardonnay, you know where we are right now? Oh, where are we? The pro tip insight of the week. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right, okay. half-calf. We're at that time of the episode where Chardonnay gets to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So what do you have for us, Chardonnay? Um, I think my pro tip is um, pictures. About pictures. Um, you're going to take a lot of pictures when you're out there. You're going to take a bajillion pictures of every mountain. And when you get home, you're like, I don't even know which mountain that is. I highly recommend, pro tip, <laughs> take a picture of the people. All those people you hike with. I just went through all my old photos and was like clearing out my, my Google Drive thing and everything. It's like those pictures with people in them are the ones that move you the most. So, you know, capture those ones because you later you're going to be like, oh, my God, I remember that thing that that crazy person did or that we suffered through together or whatever. Yeah. Take the picture of the people. That, that's where your heart's going to, you know, fill up the most. I love that. I love it. Listeners, take it from a triple crowner. Take some pictures of the people, not just the mountains, the people. I, I think that is awesome. That's fantastic. 
All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Chardonnay. I want to thank her for joining us this week. Chardonnay, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Oh, um, probably the best is I, uh, my Instagram is um, LCW, E-L-S-Y-E-W. Um, that's my Instagram handle. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I also have um, wanderingchardonnay.com. I try to, I'm really trying to get back into updating that, but sometimes I just like, I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's tough sometimes. Oh, yeah, right. but I try. I try. So that yeah, but you can find me best at wanderingchardonnay.com or LCW on Instagram. Okay. Remember to check out the podcast on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. No TikTok yet, uh, Chardonnay? No, no, no. I'm too old for that. <laughs> you know, I told I told Gingerballs that I had uh, a TikTok account. He called me a 16-year-old girl. So yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, no, no. I can barely keep my Instagram, man. Mm -mm. There you go. And if you have comments or clips you want to share with me, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmere at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Chardonnay, we're also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some sort of of outdoor media to keep our listeners connected to the trail in the off season. Call this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us? Oh, my. That's a tough one. I mean, I would really like to um, recommend either one of um, um, Heather um, Anderson, Anish, either one of her books. Oh, she is like, to me, a light. She's a light. She's a, light. She's a Michigan girl like me, too. And um, I, I hold her in high regard. So, and both of her books are just like, it's like being there, you know, with her. So I totally recommend reading either one of those. If you even have an inkling that you may, may not want to know about what's going on the trail, read that. It's, it's, it's inspiring. And she's, she's a doll. She's a wonderful person. So you'll, you'll, you'll totally enjoy that. Fantastic. Elsie, any, is there, is there a book in you struggling to get out? I mean, you've been through a lot. I'd read that book. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, there, there could be, uh, it's funny because people want to hear about the trail and I'm like, you know, I, I, I hiked the trail when I was 45. So there's like this whole other life of crazy that went on before that. So I think if I have, I end up writing a book, it'll have to include all that too. Oh, so Absolutely. Yeah. We need to have the context yeah. of, of you know, mm -hmm. how you ended up there. So of course we need yeah. to hear about that. So you never know. You never know what's going to happen. So. All right. Possibly. Let me be the first person to sign up on the list for the advanced copy. All right. <laughs> Deal. Deal. <laughs> what have we not asked you? And before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What do we miss tonight? Oh gosh, we covered so much stuff. Um, uh, I think we covered like all of it. Um, I do want to um, put a shout out to um, Alda West. Um, I was a officer at large uh, for them for a while. And um, if you are thinking about doing um, a long hike or short hike, 
Um, they have rucks. They have a ruck coming up in March. Um, definitely check out their website because the rucks are amazing. You will meet amazing people and you will learn all about the trails, you know, from it, short trails, long trails. There are people there that you're going to meet and find some cool gear and win some cool prizes. I highly recommend it. I, I think it's a, it would be a great thing if you're, if you're thinking about getting out on the trail. Okay. And what is the organization one more time? Alda West. All the American West. Long Distance Hiking Association West. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, that is a wrap from the John Freaking Mirror Studio. Any more shout outs to friends and family, Chardonnay? Uh, shout out to all my friends and family who have supported me through all this. Um, shout out to my little 2,000 followers <laughs> because you guys are the best. And I, I love that, like, those. I don't have 10,000 followers because that might make me paranoid. But those t- those two, they're there for me. And I love you guys. And thanks, everybody, for just, like, putting up with my cray. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember, the trail is the trail. doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't Damn. even care if you've been hiking for the last few weeks on a broken ankle. The trail <laughs> is the trail. Embrace mm-hmm. the suck. Yep.